So the idea for us is to, to deal with that shit, is yep. to be brave enough to look at ourselves honestly and go, you know what, fuck it, times, I'm a real bullshit host. I lie, I manipulate, I've, I've cheated, I've, you know what I mean? And to yep. own these traits and say, you know what, so is every other human on the face of the planet. I'm going to be brave enough to actually be honest. I'm going to get it out. I'm yep. going to look at it for what it is and say, is this mine? Did this come from dad? Is this from his dad? And I'm going to be the one to take responsibility and stop it. G'day, g'day. Welcome to another episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business. Today, I've got another return guest. I've been getting a few of them lately. Uh, I'd like to uh, welcome back Aaron Young. How are you, Aaron? My friend, I'm wonderful. And it is a pleasure to be back. This is, a, this is the first podcast I ever did. And that opened up a can of worms that has got me doing sometimes four a week now. And I couldn't be more grateful because these podcasts really help you see your story in a very different light. And I'm not talking just in a good way, but sometimes in a bad way, like your bullshit. Like I sometimes look at my story and I go, you know what? I don't lie. I don't have a need to. The story's real. But I look at the perspective I tell it and I sometimes think, you know what? You're talking a little bit like you're an arrogant prick there, you know, or, or you're too humble. You need to actually take more. Yeah. So it's, it's a beautiful way to learn about your life, your life doing this. It's incredible. Yeah, man, definitely, definitely. I mean, I've been keeping up with all the other uh, podcasts that you've been doing, dude, and it's really cool. Like, I, 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 I find out a little piece of you from everyone, you know. <laughs> yeah, I find out little pieces of me in everyone as well. You remember, like in forty-seven years, there's a lot of shit there, and I forget. Like, I've had stuff cut, which is not for us to talk about now because it's elephant and, and animal related, but stuff yeah. I completely forgot about, and I've just gone whoa. And they've had to cut it for legal reasons because I've name dropped politicians and big corporate airlines and stuff. Yeah. But I've, I've forgotten it. So this is another reason doing these podcasts is so special for me because it allows me to go back and look at the stuff I was so blasé about and go, shit, there's a story I forgot yeah. all about. Well, look, last time you were on, on the show, we did sort of talk a bit about your time in Africa and, and all that sort of thing. Just sort of got to know you a little bit. But I thought today we could sort of talk a bit more on the fatherhood aspect of things, because although you've got two kids uh, still in Africa, like, like we spoke about last time, uh, you've recently had another addition to the family. Yes, I have. My miracle boy. For anyone who doesn't know, yeah, I, I, I've lost two kids still stuck in Africa. I'm fighting to get them over here in Australia with me. And out of nowhere, you know, the universe does some crazy shit sometimes. And I think the last thing I expected at my age, I really thought I was shooting blanks a long time ago with the amount of damage I'd done to my body. And I didn't think my partner expected it. One slip by, obviously. And I got a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful baby boy. He's now just turned five months old. Um, just had his first tooth pop today. But I've also got a, step, a beautiful stepson as well. So fatherhood for me went from a very grief filled process when we first chatted because you yeah. know obviously I, I i didn't have any of this to a very bizarre place now where i've still got this grief but then i've also got this incredible sense of wonderment where i get to look at this little boy in a different light to anything i've ever seen before because every second is precious with him because of the loss of the other two of my kids so you get this depth of fatherhood that is just fucking magic 
you know, I'm not joking, man. It is. And I would stress this to anyone who listens to this is whatever bullshit your dad did to you and whatever feelings you're hiding, don't waste a second with your children because the time is the most precious gift you get given on the face of this planet. I can tell you that because I live it every day where I've got this dichotomy of the two I don't get to. And I've got this baby boy, I get to love them through him. And it's just reminded me how important we are in their lives as fathers. Yeah, man. And I, you know what, like, like cherishing the time I'm, I'm even learning now that like, you really, really have to, because the time goes by fast. You know, I don't know where the last five years have gone. Yeah. And it's amazing how quickly, like all these little milestones move so quickly. And so I'm an expert now. And again, graced by my story of all the other, you know, the shit Africa in jail was to learn how to slow things down. Yep. And this is one of the things that I'm really probably going to end up focusing on helping people with is this, you know, you hear this idea of living in the present moment. It slows time down. This year has gone so slow for me. My partner and I had things that's flown by. And the reason is, is I slow things down where I can see my baby for the last five months. I can see him every day. I'm seeing the things that I took for granted the previous two times. You know, I'm getting into the real finite moments where I just look him in the eyes. Just give him my eye contact, which is just that I am your safe place for the rest of your life. That is it. And, and I'll do that 20, 30, 40 seconds a minute. Yeah, I just make, a, I'm, and I'm blessed. I work from home. So guys, I'm very lucky that I can do that. But even if I didn't, I would still make a point of spending that time. Well, one thing I've, I've been keen to ask you actually, dude, is the fact that because you do have your first two still in Africa and there's you know, a, a, a whole heap of, uh, like you said, grief and everything tied up there because obviously things didn't work out the way you'd hoped. How has having the new baby sort of changed? Has it changed your perspective or how has it affected yeah, your perspective, I should ask? It's, it's a journey. It was a journey. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sem- sort of ashamed to admit it. Or I'm not sure what I feel about it now, but the day he was born... I, I held him in my arms for the first time as we do as fathers. And I think we all pretty much give that same speech. And I looked in his eyes and I told him that I was his dad and that I was his safe place. And I was the one he could trust when shit hit the fan. I would always be there till the end of his days. And then all of a sudden I broke down. You know, I had a room full of nurses. My partner was being, st- there was a you know, fair bit of after, aftermath after he was born. And they were, it was just pouring. And everyone was like, oh, how beautiful is this moment? The problem was inside I was dying because I'd made the promise two times before and I wasn't able to keep it. Mm. And so I had this incredibly bittersweet moment of walking out to a balcony and breaking down and not really being sure. So being incredibly grateful and loving the moment and him seeing me being ashamed of the fact that I, I, I feel I lied to my two children in Africa because I promised this to them and they're still asking me why I'm not back there. And then he also paranoid and fearful that this little boy saw that in my eyes. So having to get out of there and compose myself, get my shit back together, do some breathing exercises, get back in there and then redo this, this with him. So he didn't feel that because little people feel us. They don't have the brain and the mind that we do. We forget that when we were little, we don't think in complex structures, we feel everything. And so I didn't want him to feel his first you know, time with me. Yeah. So it was weird. And then that's changed, you know, very quickly it moved and everything uh, became, um, loving my two kids back in Africa through him. So every time he laughs and you've got to see him, the kid looks like me, like a photocopy. And so do my two kids in Africa. I see Mana and Liam when he does something, we won't sleep and he puts his arm in the air. I see it, Mana. 
yeah. when he cries, I see Liam. So I'm getting to have this beautiful reliving, which still has its bittersweet moments because there are times there when my kids, you know, when I do get to speak to them and my son, you know, where are you? Why, you know, why are you not here? And so I, I guess I live in, a, in an incredibly strange place at the moment, but because of the way my mind works, I very rarely get stuck in that funk, you know? And when I do go down there, as I've told you before, I, I don't mind being down there because I've got something to learn usually. When I'm down on my knees and, and I'm breaking down, there's something down there for me to find. Yeah, that's something I've been learning, dude, is, yeah, you just got to sit with it and you end up learning something about yourself, you know, once right. you come out the other end. Uh, and Every you never time, know what like, it literally. is. No, you don't. And, and when you think you do is when you don't because then you lose it and then when you get your finger at the bottom, you get shoved a bit further. It's like, no, smart ass, you don't know. You've got, to, you've got to go in incredibly humble, you know, being in that in that place, that rock bottom, it, it produces humility because you haven't got a fucking clue. You know, that is the time when you throw your hands in there and go, I, I, I don't know, help, you know, and something inside you, that deeper sense of who you are stands up and says, oh, I've been waiting for you, fuckwit. It's taken you long enough. You know, you're going to trust me now. And then we trust them for a bit and then we fucking do it again. <laughs> we fucking do it again. And that is the journey, but it's a beautiful journey once you know you're on it for all its ups and downs. And you, you, you're going through some of the most beautiful, but probably painful moments of your life right now. You know, like they're beautiful, but they're painful as fuck. And, and yep. man, because I've been there, I, I've done it. And through the other side, you know, you, I mean, I'm just looking at you now. I'm fucking proud of you. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful thing to see. And I just hope that more men, because just if you want to look at it from the fatherhood perspective, our kids deserve better. We've got a generation after generation of bullshit, you know, where dads just didn't try, didn't know. Their dads didn't try. They didn't know. We know now. We yeah. do. We can't claim we don't know. There's enough information out there. We know. So it's time for us to start trying. Don't have to succeed, but we have to try. Well, with your, with your two kids still back overseas i mean your daughter has better understanding because i mean she's a bit older isn't she but your young fella's trying to wrap his head around everything isn't he yeah he just doesn't get it he just he, every time he he manages to come to the camera and talk to me he just says dad where are you you know he was the one who took it when i left he knew something was up it took two adults to pull him off me when i was had to leave and run back to mozambique to get out of there and since that time you know he just he doesn't get it and my, my daughter, she doesn't know about prison. She doesn't know the finer details, but she knows enough. And they'll make up their own story, sadly. That in my absence, I can't tell them too much through a phone. I, I just refuse to go into, I went to prison. I was set up for police. Yeah, well, how do you tell a seven and a five-year-old? I've got to, I've got to hope and trust that my presence as a father in those early years will be enough to help see them through that when I can see them and I can mm -hmm. tell them and explain, um, it'll be enough to bring them back, you know? Yeah, I look, man. That's that's one thing I'd love to see for you is is for you to be able to get your kids back and uh, to have them here with you, dude. Because in the past, when I've spoken with you, dude, like the love that I hear in your voice for those two, it's it's fucking phenomenal, you know. And I'd love nothing more to see you with your two kids back. Yeah, look, you know, you've you know my life, and you know some of the crazy stuff that I've got up to, and. You know, some I did some incredible, amazing things in my life, but there isn't single one of them that compares with. I want to say the responsibility, but or the joy. It's it's a joy. It's a it's a mix between joy and responsibility of being a father. Mm. For me, it is the most powerful thing that I get gifted with in this lifetime because I am responsible to guide, support, nurture, and teach this little soul, so that they can possibly do two things. And one of them is not carry the shit that I carried around my life, which requires me to do my work. Yeah. But secondly, that they get to live freely safely you know like they can go out into the world and know that no matter what happens a phone call away always a home 
I never had that growing up. And I, for me, it's incredibly important. The first one being more so, and that is I deal with my own shit as I move through life because I don't want to, I don't want to hand it down. I don't want, I don't want, I, don't, I know I can't be perfect and there'll be something, but I want to do my best to get rid of as much of the junk as I can. Yeah, and gener- generational trauma is a, a very real thing, mm. eh? I mean, oh, I've been... Hell, yeah, hell yes. I've been reading a lot about that lately, and, and I read somewhere that it, it's passed on genetically, but again, it, all, it is also passed on through the, the behaviours of the parent, right? Because that's yeah, how they've, so... they've either been brought up or, um, you know, whatever, it's just certain coping mechanisms or defence mechanisms yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah, look, the genetic side of it is we all have everything in our in our in, in the genetic code. We all have the same strings, and certain things are triggered. So what gets passed down is all of that baggage that we don't fix. But then what can happen is it gets triggered in their lifetime. So they may not, in their early years, display any evidence of it because things might be okay. But then at age six, the trigger pops, and then all of a sudden that genetic memory pops out, and all of a sudden you've now got this shit that dad didn't deal with or mum that didn't deal with, and that can happen in their teens and even later in life. So the idea for us is to, to deal with that shit, is yep. to be brave enough to look at ourselves honestly and go, you know what, fuck it, times, I'm a real bullshit host. I lie, I manipulate, I've, I've cheated, I've, you know what I mean? And to yep. own these traits and say, you know what, so is every other human on the face of the planet. I'm going to be brave enough to actually be honest. I'm going to get it out. I'm yep. going to look at it for what it is and say, is this mine? Did this come from dad? Is this from his dad? And I'm going to be the one to take responsibility and stop it. I don't want this to continue anymore. Mm. The buck stops here. I'm going to own it. And, and I believe as men, the onus is on us to lead with that stuff because we're built for it. We're built for challenge. We're built to succeed, man. That's how as a species we've come to this point of success that success can be diff, weird definition with what's going on around us at the moment. But, you know, we've come to this point where we have got all these incredible things around us that we've built. Well, that came because we, we thrive in challenge, but yet we're not challenging ourselves anymore. We're sitting by, sitting in front of a television, Taking yeah. it easy. Anything that pops up that's too hard or too painful, we grab another beer. We go work for an extra three hours a day. We go hide in the workshop. We go down the pub. Um, we get high. We go to the gym. We run. We pick our phone up. We go to our iPad. We go to fucking computer games. We will do anything we can not to face what is inside us. So for all our advancements and all this incredible stuff that we've built, we've actually fucking devolved. We've actually yeah. going backwards now because we refuse to do what we're built for, which is challenge ourselves, be honest with ourselves. And then what you and I are able to do and what we want to see more of from men in particular is be honest with other men. Yep. This is what I've learned in the last 12 months or so is that it is those uncomfortable spots where you grow, you know, it's, there's too many distractions around today and it's really, really easy to be comfortable. And when you, when you are comfortable, you've got no motivation to sort of push any further because it's comfortable. But when you're uncomfortable, you want to get out of that uncomfortable spot. So you push yourself that extra little bit to, to grow and, and come out the other side of it. Yeah. Or, well, you know, when your back's against the wall, you, you very quickly learn what you're made of. You know what I mean? This is the thing with challenge and this is the thing with coming through the other side of it is we're very quick to say, I can't, or I'm scared. We won't say it out loud because men don't use these terms. You know, they'll pretend they can do anything or they don't want to do it because yeah. I don't have time or why, why would I bother? But the reality is, is when we face these things, we come out the side and go, shit, you know, I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was. I'm a lot faster. 
I'm a lot better parent than I thought. I'm a lot, but you're never going to find these things out. You're never going to grow into anything better if you sit on your ass with a remote in your hand. Yeah. And, and that's what we've got to. And, and guys go, oh, you know, I work hard. Yeah, man, you know, 300 years ago, you worked 18 hour days just to keep food and water to keep you alive. Yeah. And now you've got to do eight hours and that's hard. And that gives you the own to write, you know, to ruin, to run your home like it's your fiefdom and treat your partner like she's a piece of shit and tell your kids that they got to stay away from you because you've worked hard all day. Something went seriously wrong. We were the peacemakers and the yeah. stability. And now we're basically just become like a bunch of grown boys running around like sport brats. Yeah, that's, that's what we do. We just, yeah. and, we, and we bitch and moan about it. Oh, I went to work. So I have the right to, you know, I, I'm sorry. We, 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 what right do we have any higher than our parents or our partners? Yeah. Where do we decide all of a sudden that because we go work eight hours a day that we're any better than a woman who gives birth to our children or our very children themselves? We're their yeah, protectors. Right. Yeah. That's what we, we're put here to give them a safe place to nurture and grow so the world around us is a better place. If we go and hide from that responsibility and if we choose to basically buck out and say, oh, well, I don't have to do that. I've got to go to the gym because my values are about me being healthy. Oh, fuck it over yourself. Your values fucking... This values bullshit. I hear it and I'm like, values change five times a day, depending on your selfishness level. All right. You can wake up and want to go to the gym and that can be your value. Then you get hungry and then all of a sudden food is your value. Values change. Like what's underlyingly important for us as men is to be responsible for this beautiful thing we've been given, which is the power and the strength to create. And we don't, we become selfish. Yeah. And we yeah. start talking about what I, what I need, what I need what I need. If I'm not living with the things that I need, then I'll be, then there'll be a problem with me. No, man, it's just, it's just immaturity. That's just mental bullshit. Yeah. See, look, for me, a big part of changing that mindset was becoming a dad, you know, like when you become a dad, your, your whole perception on the world changes like that, a split second, you know, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I still have my times where I'm selfish and I, you know, I'm worried about my own needs other than anybody else. But I mean, not it's not so much as when I was single, for example, right? I was the only one I had to worry about. So I did whatever the hell I wanted. And then when, when something did come up that, you know, sort of got in the way of that, yeah, it pissed me off. But now, like you said, you know, I've, now having a, being a dad and having a kid, you know, I look at things differently and, and like just in the last five years, that whole whole side of me is, has done a full 180, you know? Yeah, well, you look at where the journey you're on now. I know that very much that all that would be driven by being a dad. And I know yeah. for me, you know, I sound like a militant prick and I've got to be careful. People think I go too far. The truth is I'm trying to shock people. I've become this sort of, you know, personal development full of people who love to talk smart and make it sound all good because I want you to believe them. My truth is I want to shake you upside down. And turn, I want you to hate me. Because I want that means that I've poked you in a spot you don't like. Yeah, I don't want you to dedicate your life to your family and not give anything to yourself. All right, I need to be very careful. I'm not saying that you completely erode who you are and what you need. What I'm saying is that if everything um, you're driven by is about you, then there's a problem. Okay, you still need to fill your cup. You still need you still need to have those moments, but those moments need to be. Um, not the priority anymore. So you basically have this responsibility to keep incredibly peaceful and stable household. So your partner and your babies are safe. 
and that your home is a safe place for everyone to grow. And you take your time when and, when and as it comes. You know, my, my, mine as in come, mine comes at 4.30 in the morning. That's the level of dedication I'll go to fill my cup. And I'm not saying every man should do that out there, but I certainly believe if, if you're sitting there, like I said, in front of a television every night or down the pub or in your workshop or doing overtime so you can blow the money on a new television every three months is have a look at that sort of extreme behaviour. Don't give up your life entirely at all. You need to be happy and smile because to create stability and peace in your home, you need to be happy. But don't run around with this guise of, or oh, I, you know, I need to go to the gym four times a week. And then I've got two nights I go to the pub and see my mates. I need to buy a new TV every four months because I need a bigger, you know, if it's all I, 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 that's where I get that militant streak in me, which says it's not about I. There is no I. As a father, I vanishes. Yeah. You get your time, yes. And you need to be a sincerely happy person, or otherwise you won't be stable. But your I takes a back seat. Yeah, no, that's very true, dude. That's very true. Well, how do you, now having the baby and everything, how are you finding your time? Because I know you like to meditate and, and really, you know, sort of clear your mind. Mindfulness is a big thing for you. How are you still managing to fit all that in as well as being a dad working at home as well? Yeah, look, I, I get up at 10 to 5, five, six days a week. I mean, I do, I'm doing four free introductory sessions at the beach down here now over the morning that start at six to seven. So not only do I do my work, not only do I be a dad, but I'm also being a man of service. Now, again, I'm not telling people that they should do this. I'm not trying to be some knight in shining armor where you would, you know, be like me. But what I'm saying is that if you want to find time, you'll find it. So is it easy? Do I have days where I fall asleep on the lounge at one o'clock for a quick siesta? Yeah, I do. But you know what? My partner does that. She looks at, she throws a blanket over me and I get an hour's sleep. It's not the end of the world, not the end of the world. Yeah, but being tired and being exhausted is an incredibly nice thing. It's a nice feeling sometimes to know that you've pushed everything you've got to give and to support. So, yeah, it, you know, I push myself a little bit too hard sometimes and I get told to fill my cup, but um, I find a balance. And for me, the balance is service, is giving, giving yeah. to others. Well, now having the, the little one, have you have you sort of learnt now on the third one any anything new about fatherhood that, that you didn't even maybe maybe it was there the first time and it's just not something you really paid too much attention to? So I worked full on like everyone else did with my first two. Now I was very lucky that um, I worked in the bush and then I sort of worked jobs that started at five in the morning. So I still got to spend a lot of time with my kids. So I'm doing everything almost identically. Where I have learned probably more than anywhere is more so with my stepson. Because with the baby, it's all very simple for me. I support yeah. my partner. Um, and whenever I see stress, I take him. I take him for a walk and get him outside as much as possible. Um, he's five months old and he pissed on the grass today. I literally put his feet on the grass. <laughs> and as his feet hit the grass, he whizzed, man. And I was like, my missus looked and went, what the hell? <laughs> I've never seen a baby at five months old. His feet touched the ground and he went for a piss. And I was like, there you go. There, my son, five months old. And he knew that's what you do. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, but it's more, more my stepson. That's where, that's where I'm learning more as a parent every day. And I'm also getting my ass handed to me pretty much every day, every second day, because I'm not, it's not as easy. Not for me. Not, it's not, not as easy. It's not, not your child. You know? Yeah. There's a whole bunch of rules, changes and, and patience levels completely out the window. And it's a, man, it's a mad, crazy world being a step parent. It is, it is, isn't it? I mean, I've been in a couple of relationships where, you know, my ex has had children and 
it, it's a really fine line to walk because obviously, you know, you're all living in the house together. So you've got your set of rules, your expectations of how things are meant to be. But you can say one thing out of turn. Like they, all they have to do is say something to dad and then you're having a deal with, with dad, you know, and you're, you're trying to work out some sort of misunderstanding. Well, it's a real fine line to walk. Yeah, it's an incredible, like you said, it's a very fine line. And I'm, I'm very lucky that dad doesn't seem to want to get involved at all, but it doesn't stop me being incredibly focused on the division in this little boy because he's now got, you know, he's only young. So yeah. he's got me who's his stepdad or, or whatever I am, I'm Aaron, and he's got his dad. Now, going between two houses, there's going to be some confusion in, in a little mind and in a little heart trying to work out all this shit's about, regardless of whether we get on or not and trying to nurture him at the same time, not baby him because on one side he's being babied. So it's a really, it's a really fine line to walk, you know, like, like you said, I don't even know how else to describe, but I think it's a discussion that could be had to the end of time because I, I, like I said, I get my ass handed to me. I fail daily with this little boy and I'm not used to failing like that, but um, it's a constant learning experience. And like, I'm lucky again that I don't give up. And that I can bring, I bring myself back to the moment pretty quickly. And for every mistake I make, I can counter it very quickly. I don't envy anyone out there who's who's been. I've been doing it for a year, less than for a year. I think of people who've been doing it, you know, their entire, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight years. Man, it's an incredible, incredible journey. I think it's really important, especially when it comes to blended families, that you're able to end up building that relationship and that rapport with with stepchild as well, with your partner's child. I mean, for example, you know, my, my mum remarried when I was 18. Well, my siblings and my stepbrothers, we sort of tried to pit my mum and my stepdad against each other, you know. We were trying to bust the whole thing up. We had bets yeah. on, the, on the side of, like, how long we how quickly we can break them up after the wedding sort of thing. And you know <laughs> what? I mean, they're, they're, their relationship is strong because they've, they've outlived that, but... I'm now at a point where, you know, I'm in my 30s and I call my stepdad dad, you know. I don't call him Mark or anything like that because he he has been there for a lot of those dad moments, you know. He's, he's supported me and, and backed me up. Yeah, that's incredible. And I, I, have those, I have those hopes in me that one day I don't really want to be seen as his dad because his dad's still his dad. But oh, yeah. I would I'd like to be seen as as that stable figure that was there when dad couldn't do his part, you know, yeah. because he wasn't, because he's not here, because he's not here. That's all I'd like. I'd like to try and be. Sometimes I look at it and think, Jesus, I fucked that up. But, um, you know, I'm quite hard on myself. So the truth is it's probably never as bad as I, as I look at it. You know, I try and seek perfection at every turn and I'm doing my best. And look, one thing I don't do is don't stop learning. So I haven't given up yet. I'm still got a long way to go. I'm not mm. stopping. Yeah. Well, one thing I've learned about young kids as well, uh, through through my young fella is it's just how resilient they really are as well like they're really forgiving and it doesn't matter if you fail like they really don't care if you fail like you know the, uh, just the other day I lost my temper and I yelled at him you know and he went off crying and I had to stop myself calling back and go hey look bro I'm sorry like I shouldn't have yelled at you you know, dad's tired and grumpy from work. I brought home that frustration, put it on you. That's not your job. And he's just straight, he's still got tears running down his face, but he's like, that's okay, dad. I forgive you. You know, I love you. 
And it's it's you know just, what it's a split second That's, kind of thing. Well, you know why? And also because you were honest and because you were humble. And that's where I guess I'm very lucky. You know, you just reminded me that I'm the first one to say I made a mistake there. You know what I mean? I'm not yeah. perfect. My, my rule, there, there's no such thing as rules here. I have guidelines and then we bend them and fold them as we need to. And like what you just brought up there is an incredible, an incredible example of if whether you're a stepdad or a dad, doesn't matter, is that ability for us to be humble and honest in front mm. of our children is one of the greatest gifts we can give them because we live in a world where very few people are prepared to say, oops, I fucked up. Yep. <laughs> no one wants to do it. It's just, we, we, the self-righteousness has gone crazy at the moment. And just what you explained there was just yeah, a perfect example of what we need to be decent humans, not yeah. just decent dads and decent stepdads and decent partners. But when you can put your hand up and go, I got to own that. That's on me. That's not your responsibility. That's, that's how we change the world. You know, you want to know the cornerstone of what I teach people, you just hit bang on, especially with men. That is the finest thing I would want to see of the community guys that I work with here for them to be able to do. Sorry, I messed up. I'll make it right. Very yeah, simple statement, but incredibly hard for men to say. I think once upon a time I did struggle with that. I got to a point really quickly where nobody else is there to sort of clean up my mess. I've, I've never really had someone there. So if I have fucked up, I've had to admit it and then clean up my own damn mess, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, you and I share, that's that's probably why. And it's probably, this is where, isn't it funny how sometimes, you know, what could be deemed a negative, not having someone there has actually turned into an incredible positive. Yeah. It's a beautiful, it is because I'm the same. I never had anyone. So I, I had no one else except I had to look in the mirror and go, yeah. that's on you, sunshine. That's on you. And, and, and that's a beautiful blessing because, man, if we have more people like it, in the world would be a very different place yeah definitely very very different and very quickly yeah well see another reason i do it as well is i mean growing up i always saw adults or authority as infallible you know it was i always saw it as you know i know what i'm talking about just do as i tell tell you to and that's all you need to know and if if an adult did fuck up there was no apology because you weren't accountable to the kids, so to speak. Uh, it's yeah. a different generation, you know, but I feel if I could teach Eli that, you know, I even I fuck up and I've got to apologise and take ownership for that, you know, it, it doesn't make accountability this this thing that you're forced to do. Like, I'm account, Dad's accountable. I've got to be accountable too. Yeah, everyone is, and this is the simple truth. And it also means that people don't are not as quick to try and stand over others, you know, with this whole <clears throat> I'm right, you're wrong, because yeah. the world's quite sick with this at the moment. Like, I'm right, you're wrong, whether it be political, whether it be religious, or whether it be covert, or whether it be a war in Afghanistan, there's always a I'm. And just the simple act of being able to say, you know what, I, I might have got it wrong, changes the, changes the direction of where we're headed, you know? And if we can start at home doing that with our kids, just simple honesty. And I mean, that, that bleeds into just in general being vulnerable about who you are, like crying, like being able to cry in front of your kids. Like I'll cry about my two kids in Africa and I used to hide it. And now what I do is depending on the level of it, if it's not too severe, I'll make sure I let my stepson see a little bit of it. Mm. I don't want sympathy. I'm the last person in the world who wants sympathy. But what I do want him to see is that there's incredible strength in sharing how you feel, that you're not weak because you cry not by any stretch far from it 
Well, being a, being a new stepdad and everything, dude, have you been finding it trying to juggle between being a dad biologically and a stepdad? Like, have you found that you've had to handle things really differently or a bit yeah. of the same or how? No, you do. You got to, you got to be very cautious because it's this whole, firstly, there's the first part of it, which is, you know, when you introduce a new child, when you've already got one, you've got the jealousy syndrome. So you've got that, but then you've also got that now heightened situation because these aren't both your children. So you've now got a child who's not yours, who's now jealous of a new child and you're being called daddy by mum, And so you get all of this. So sometimes and this is a real difficult one. Like I'll be, you know, just eye to eye with my baby and I'll be sitting there talking to him and, you know, Ollie will come up and he literally will stick his head right in my face. Like he's pretty much saying, Oi, fuck with, I want yeah. attention. And he'll go, he'll, and it's the only time you see him misbehave. Sometimes you really just want to go, give me five minutes with my son. You can't say that. You can't say that to your stepson. And if you, you're looking for some shit in a couple of years time, that'll come back to bite you. Right. So I've found that I have to be very cautious with my words and when in doubt, say nothing and get up and take some time to go and stand outside, get my feet on the grass or something like that, look at it and then hand the baby over and actually go and give him what he wants. And I've taught him now that if he wants attention, there's good and there's bad. Or if you just want to cuddle, just come up and say, I want some attention. Give me a cuddle. So that we remove that unseen thing in between of him acting out and, you know, being a sork or getting upset and throwing his toys out the cot, which is just his way of communicating please look at me, I'm feeling alone. Yet we don't speak that language. And so we get angry with it. We judge it. We go, oh, you're just wanting some, you know, and I'll, and I'll do that internally. Don't, I'm not no perfect dad. And then I'll look at him and I'll go, he's talking to me. In that bad behavior, in that moment of meltdown, in that anger, in that venom, look, he gives me sometimes. He's crying out for me. And so what do I got to do? Go give him a fucking hug. And that it's as simple as that, you know, don't have to make big speeches and don't have to go into explanations. I've got to be mature enough, even though part of me says, look, you've just got to chill here, man. I've just been with you for three hours. I want to just hang out with Hunter for a minute. You've got to be careful because that memory will stick with that four and a half year old. Hunter won't know any different. Whereas Ollie will hold that. So, man, and it's a slippery one. I tell you, I have days where I almost snap. And I must just say, give me five minutes. And look, for me to raise my voice at all is nothing, but I don't even want that present. You know, I want him to feel he's equal to this baby at all yeah. times. And I, I can't imagine what he must be going through as well, like in, in his little mind, mm. you know, because I, rem I remember I was, I think I was about 14 or so when, when my folks split up. And it was really, even at 14, there was a lot to take on, a lot to sort of get used to and, and whatnot. So I mean, at four and a half, like there are a lot of big feelings there that he's trying to work through. And I yeah. mean, a lot of adults can't even work through some of that stuff, you know? Uh, exactly. And then we expect kids too. And this is the thing is, you know, we expect them to listen to an explanation and to accept that and just take our words as this is how you deal with it. No, that's not how it happens, you know? Yeah. And also, as you just remember before, they're very forgiving. They're also very forgetful. So you can continually repeat the same behavior again and again and again and keep saying the same thing to them what you end up doing is reinforcing some pretty negative shit in their little minds you know you've got to be really cautious about trying to look at things differently and look at the moments a little bit differently and not act the same way all the time so you don't create these negative belief structures or these negative thought patterns inside them mm. because what happens with little kids like that is they'll blame themselves 
you know, look at, I look at us as adults. And if you look at half the stuff we battle on and it's a lot of it is, is you know, self-blame, guilt, shame, the stuff deep down, a lot of us won't admit, but underneath there's a lot of this crap and it's all comes from these earlier years, breakups, splits, fight, even just fighting parents, um, abusive parents, an alcoholic or a drug addict parent. I mean, this is where it all came from. The mm. demons we battle now is the shit our parents didn't deal with in their lives. So the last thing I want to do is hand over again, my junk, whether he's my son biologically or my stepson, he doesn't deserve my behavioral traits that I haven't dealt with. So it's on me. And as I said, that militant side of me, it's my, my responsibility as a man to own my shit and deal with it. Yeah. And sometimes all it does take is just to sort of, you know, like you said, to stop rather than wanting to react, sort of stopping and taking a breath. And thinking about the moment and, and sort of put, putting yourself in his shoes so then you can yeah, respond properly. Yeah. Yeah. And I say eye contact. This is what I teach fathers is the first thing you want to do in a situation like that is look a child right dead in the eyes. And in those eyes, he'll tell you very quick what's going on. If he's spewing venom and he's angry and you look in his eyes and he looks at you, you'll see the sadness. You know, you've got to look with kids to the precursors. You know, they may have a meltdown and it was something that happened two hours ago. And we react in the moment, forgetting that two hours ago, we actually said, well, say, oh, give me five minutes, son, and I'll come get you. And yeah. you never went back and got him. You never went back and got him because you got busy and you justified it because you were busy. But you broke his little heart then. And so we forget how important those moments are to them. And so, you know, again, I'm lucky I work from home. I can be very cautious and I can spend time and I can do this. But um, this isn't impossible for a guy who works. Not by any stretch. Well, you just got to get out yeah. of that mentality of I work hard, I'm going to go hide in front of the TV all day when I'm not, you know, when I'm not at work. You've got to connect with your kids. It's just that's the responsibility level once you have a child. And I, look, I honestly don't know, still, I don't know where the hell I get the energy from. Because even when when the young, uh, when Eli was first, first born, you know, I was coming home from work, I was exhausted. But now I come home, I'm tired, but you know, I'm still keep rolling and cooking dinner and, and sort of hanging out with the kid. And you got all this other stuff that beforehand didn't occupy your time. And yeah, just, you just keep going until 7.30 comes. And I'm like, thank God he's in bed. Yeah. Now I can yeah. go to bed. Yeah. yeah. And that's like me. And the truth is it all comes down to that mental, it's, it's our thought patterns. The, the idea that I am tired and I don't have any energy left is 60% of the time a thought. Mm. It's not actually true. We have way more energy. Now, look, we don't eat very well in modern society. So a lot of it is the way we eat, drink, you know, all that shit. We've gone about too much Coca-Cola, too much markers, too much, all that shit, bad food. You eat bad food. You're not going to have any, any energy. Yeah. But the truth is beyond that, I have been in situations that we know very well where I've eaten next to nothing for weeks on end. And I still could have scaled a prison wall if given the opportunity. Energy has nothing to do um, in situation in most situations of the food. You've got enough fuel in you to do anything you want to. The question is, do you want to? And this is where we fail now as humans. We're like, I can't, I can't. I, no bullshit, you can. You know, this bull, I can't. Bullshit. You know, and, and this is again why, why I'm not the most successful coach in the world because I call people out on their bullshit. <laughs> I'm not going to give you flowers. I'm not going to give you a pat on the back and, and put talcum powder on your bum. No, I'm going to put my foot up there because when we're pushed and when I was pushed, I achieved remarkable things. 
Yeah. And I, I expect that, you know, there are people out there who want to achieve remarkable things, even if it's just being a remarkable example for your kids or a remarkable example for your community. You don't have to go and battle anything and you don't have to go to war and you, to be an incredible human being. You've just got to be the greatest example of who you can be. And that comes with someone like me putting my foot up, you know, sadly. <laughs> Because people just don't get the motivation now. You know, I, I wish they did. You know, I do. Yeah. Well, look, I don't know if it's pretty, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's almost like pretty easy coming from you. Because, I mean, uh, 47 years old, you've lived a pretty far out life. You know, you've lived all over the world. And, and you've, you've, you know what, you've worked in Tha- lived in Thailand, you've worked in the Middle East, you've been in Africa, you're back in Australia doing coaching now and, and being a dad. Like, you've got all this, these experiences that you've been able to learn from, you know. So for you to be able to put, put your foot up someone's ass, like, I get it. Yeah, I guess I earned that right. And, and it's kind of sad because I look at this every day and, you know, I look at my life and I go, how do I inspire people to take action? Because I can sit here and you and I can talk stories and I can do a thousand podcasts and I can go on the radio. And I can talk and talk and talk and talk and I watch the coaching industry and it loves its own voice, man, it talks. And, and I did, when I first started, I did. And then I realised if people aren't taking action off your words, you're basically just a fucking storyteller. Yeah, and, and I don't really want to be. So I'm looking for this beautiful equation. How do I get men not... Not like um, performance athletes as such, just your average guy who's sitting at home with a TV remote in his hand, calling me a prick because I'm saying that you've been, you know, you've got more in you. Yeah. How do I inspire him? Um, you know, and I'm, I'm still working. I've got the equation, but it's good, you've got to get people to it. You know, like how do I get them to me, get them in front of me, and then all of a sudden it's a different story. But I can't be in, you know, a billion places at once. I'm still trying to learn how to clone myself next or something and figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough well um dude look i've loved talking to you again today i've been itching to catch up with you for ages so i'm glad we've finally been able to do this dude but yeah i appreciate for you coming back on and having a chat with me about about fatherhood dude because you know, you know you've you've been talking africa over and over and over lately so i'm sure it's nice for you to have a bit of a, a change of subject yeah, it it is. Everyone loves to jump on the Africa thing, and I am getting a little tired of it. But I'm sort of I'm sort of happy to be telling it because what it does is the more you tell it, the more boring it gets. So the more you get to the stuff that matters. And so, like yeah. you've just said, me being able to talk about this reinforces more and more what my job is because I've been trying to help everybody, and I'm starting to realise I just can't do that, and I'm needing to be a little bit more um, focused in my message. And so when I get to talk like this, and especially with someone that I'm comfortable with and I know. I can see what rises to the top where my passion is and I can see where I could possibly be more effective, you know, and if it's helping dads or helping guys get up off the couch, um, you know, and being a better father or a better partner, better, you know, brother, whatever, then, you know, maybe that's, you know, that's the direct point I should be going at. All right, dude. Well, hopefully we can talk again sometime, dude. I'll have you back on the show again. Oh, for sure. Oh, no doubt. Mate, you, you over and over and over. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Cheers, brother. Thanks for listening to Not So Secret Dad's Business. If you have a topic you'd like covered or you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at notsosecretdadsbusiness at gmail.com or leave us a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash notsosecretdadsbusiness. 
If you want to follow us on social media, you can also follow us on Instagram at Not So Secret Dad's Business or on Facebook as well.